Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All over the green expanse could be seen men in strange robes, moving to and fro in couples and bearing in their hands mystic wands. Some searched restlessly in the bushes. Others were walking briskly in the direction of small red flags. A sickening foreboding of disaster fell upon Asko Baruch. The charioteer seemed surprised at the question. "'Yon's the municipal links,' he replied. "'The what?' "'The municipal links.' "'Tell me, fellow, why do you talk that way?' "'Which way?' "'Why, like that, the way you're talking.' "'Hoots, mon,' said the charioteer. "'His Majesty King Merolkazar, may his handicap decrease,' He passeth a law that all his subjects shall do it. Ablins, tis the language spoken by the pro, on whom be peace. Hm. Asko Baruch sat back limply, his head swimming. The chariot drove on, till now it took the road adjoining the royal links. A wall lined a portion of this road, and suddenly, from behind this wall, there rent the air a great shout of laughter. Pull up! cried Asko Baruch to the charioteer. He had recognized that laugh. It was the laugh of Merolkazar. Asko Baruch crept to the wall and cautiously poked his head over it. The sight he saw drove the blood from his face and left him white and haggard. The king and the grand vizier were playing a foursome against the pro and the high priest of Hec, and the vizier had just laid the high priest a dead stymie. Asko Baruch tottered to the chariot. "'Take me back,' he muttered pallidly. "'I've forgotten something.' And so golf came to Oom, and with it prosperity unequalled in the whole history of the land. Everybody was happy. There was no more unemployment. Crime ceased. The chronicler repeatedly refers to it in his memoirs as the Golden Age. In yet there remained one man on whom complete felicity had not descended. It was all right while he was actually on the links, but there were blank, dreary stretches of the night when King Merolkazar lay sleepless on his couch and mourned that he had nobody to love him. Of course, his subjects loved him in a way. A new statue had been erected in the palace square, showing him in the act of getting out of casual water. The minstrels had composed a whole cycle of up-to-date songs commemorating his prowess with the mashie. His handicap was down to twelve. But these things are not all. A golfer needs a loving wife, to whom he can describe the day's play through the long evenings. And this was just where Merolkazar's life was empty. No word had come from the princes of the outer isles, 
and, as he refused to be put off with just as good substitutes, he remained a lonely man. But one morning, in the early hours of a summer day, as he lay sleeping after a disturbed night, Merolchazzar was awakened by the eager hand of the Lord High Chamberlain, shaking his shoulder. "'Now what?' said the king. "'Hoots, your majesty! Glorious news! The princess of the Outer Isles waits without. I mean, we're The king sprang from his couch. "'A messenger from the princess at last!' "'Nay, sire, the princess herself. That is to say,' said the Lord Chamberlain, who was an old man, and had found it hard to accustom himself to the new tongue of his age, her ain cell. And believe me, or rather, mind arm telling ye, went on the honest man joyfully, for he had been deeply exercised by his monarch's troubles, her highness is the easiest thing to look at these eyes hay ever seen, and you can say I said it. She is beautiful? Your majesty she is, in the best and deepest sense of the word, a pippin. King Merrill Kaza was groping wildly for his robes. "'Tell her to wait,' he cried. "'Go and amuse her. Ask her riddles. Tell her anecdotes. Don't let her go. Say I'll be down in a moment. Where in the name of Zoroaster is our imperial mesh-knit underwear?' A fair and pleasing sight was the princess of the Outer Isles, as she stood on the terrace in the clear sunshine of the summer morning, looking over the king's gardens. With her delicate little nose she sniffed the fragrance of the flowers. Her blue eyes roamed over the rose-bushes, and the breeze ruffled the golden curls about her temples. Presently a sound behind her caused her to turn, and she perceived a guard-like man hurrying across the terrace pulling up a sock, and at the sight of him the princess's heart sang within her like the birds down in the garden. "'Hope I haven't kept you waiting,' said Merolchazzar, apologetically. He, too, was conscious of a strange, wild exhilaration. Truly was this maiden, as his chamberlain had said, noticeably easy on the eyes. Her beauty was as water in the desert, as fire on a frosty night, as diamonds, rubies, pearls, sapphires, and amethysts. "'Oh, no,' said the princess. "'I've been enjoying myself.' How passing beautiful are thy gardens, O king! Uh, my gardens may be passing beautiful, said Merolchazzar, earnestly. But they aren't half so passing beautiful as thy eyes. I have dreamed of thee by night and by day, and I will tell the world I was nowhere near it. My sluggish fancy came not within a hundred and fifty-seven miles of the reality. Now let the sun dim his face, and the moon hide herself abashed. Now let the flowers bend their heads, and the gazelle of the mountains confess itself a cripple. Princess, your slave. And King Merolchazzar, with that easy grace so characteristic of royalty, took her hand in his and kissed it. As he did so, he gave a start of surprise. By heck! he exclaimed. What hast thou been doing to thyself? Thy hand is all over little rough places inside. Has some malignant wizard laid a spell upon thee, or what is it? The princess blushed. If I make that clear to thee, she said, I shall also make clear why it was that I sent thee no message all this long while. My time was so occupied, verily I did not seem to have a moment. The fact is— 
These sorenesses are due to a strange new religion to which I and my subjects have but recently become converted. And, oh, that I might make thee also the true faith! Tis a wondrous tale, my lord. Some two moons back there was brought to my court by wandering pirates a captive of an uncouth race who dwell in the north, and this man has taught us— King Merolchazzar uttered a loud cry. By Tom, the son of Morris, can this truly be so? What is thy handicap? The princess stared at him, wide-eyed. Truly this is a miracle. Art thou also a worshipper of the great Gulf? Am I? cried the king. Am I? he broke off. Listen. From the minstrel's room high up in the palace there came the sound of singing. The minstrels were practising a new paean of praise, words by the Grand Vizier, music by the High Priest of Hec, which they were to render at the next full moon at the banquet of the worshippers of Gof. The words came clear and distinct through the still air. O oh, praises let us utter to our most glorious king, it fairly makes you stutter to see him start his swing. Success attend his putter, and luck be with his drive, and may he do each hole in two, although the bogey's five. The voices died away. There was a silence. If I hadn't missed a two-foot putt, I'd have done the long fifteenth in four yesterday, said the king. I won the ladies' open championship of the outer isles last week, said the princess. They looked into each other's eyes for a long moment, and then, hand in hand, they walked slowly into the palace. Epilogue Well, we said anxiously. I like it, said the editor. Good egg, we murmured. The editor pressed a bell, a single ruby set in a fold of the tapestry upon the wall. The major-domo appeared. "'Give this man a purse of gold,' said the editor, "'and throw him out. The end. End of chapter 10 End of The Clicking of Cuthbert by P. G. Woodhouse